gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. As Jesus went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no, work, when no one can work. While I am the, in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging ask, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Now, now then, were your, how then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now that day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, 
Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they ask him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already. You did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him off, or threw him out, excuse me. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he, had, when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What, are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Good morning. I think at this point in our lives together, the proper question to ask is what comes next? What comes next? Where do we go from here? We've been on an amazing journey. We've been called to go out and reach the lost people of this culture. We've been called to go and rescue the ones blowing the whistle. And we've been equipped for that through our covenant month, through um, covenanting together to choose Christ daily, to receive the Holy Spirit, to go out from this place to proclaim the good news of Christ. We've been looking at this as during our sermon series that corresponds with this little book, The Prayer of Jabez. That we're hoping that God would bless us indeed. We're praying that God would bless us indeed and enlarge our territory of influence for the gospel, that we wouldn't cause harm to our family, but that His Spirit would be with us. And so the question is, what comes next? Where do we go from here? I think I've seen a glimpse of that this weekend out at Camp St. Christopher about what is coming next. We had probably, what, 80 or so people at our Alpha Holy Spirit weekend. People came up for prayer. People received the power of the Holy Spirit. 
people came to faith in Jesus, three people were baptized there in the North Edisto River. And I think that is a vision, a glimpse of what is coming next for us here at St. Paul's as we go out into the world to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So as we consider that, I thought this would be appropriate to think about what should we be prepared for. I was actually given the title for this sermon, but it's definitely appropriate. I asked Mike what he had in mind when I was told to preach on prepare for impact, and he said he was looking forward to seeing what I had to offer. (laughs) But it turns out it was pretty appropriate. Prepare for impact. This word really could have two meanings. One is we go out to impact the world in the name of Jesus, to let God change the world through us. And that is our goal, and that's what we want to do. But the fact of the matter is that impact has another term, and it usually involves a crash. Prepare for impact. And I think we need, actually, to be prepared for a little bit of that as well. Our author, Bruce Wilkinson, certainly hints at that, and he is well aware of it. Here on page 77, he's talking about welcome to God's honor role, that God has given us His honor. And he says he's noticed that winning honor, receiving God's honor, nearly always means leaving mediocre expectations and comfortable assumptions behind. Mediocre expectations and comfortable assumptions. What we've always expected, what we've always assumed, what feels good and comfortable we might just have to leave behind. That, to me, is an impact, something that is a little scary. It's something that we're called to do. Or perhaps here on page 84, he's talking about receiving blessing from God and that it's actually a cycle of blessings. It's not one, but it's blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And that sounds great and exciting. And he says, the cycle of blessings will give your faith a good testing. A good testing. If God was blessing me, I didn't think that would test my faith. That sounds pretty good. But he says it here, a good testing. Will we let God work in our life regardless of what He chooses? Regardless of what He chooses. And so the fact of the matter is, God might choose something for us that we might not be prepared for, something that might cause a bit of impact in our life. And that is certainly evident in our Gospel reading this morning. Is a man. He's blind from birth. He's sitting on the side of the road in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is packed. There'll be people there for the holidays that have just finished. All these Jews coming, making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. That's why Jesus was there. Probably think about 17A during the Flower Town Festival. It's that kind of crowded in Jerusalem. And this man is here sitting on the side of the road, and the disciples walk by and they say, Hey, Jesus. Help us settle this theological question. This man was blind from birth, so who sinned? Did he sin, or did his parents sin? In Jewish thought at that time, if you had a disability, if you were blind, if you were lame, it was obviously because you sinned, because God hadn't blessed you, because you were a sinner. And the question would be, if he was blind from birth, did he sin in the womb, Or was it his parents' sin that caused this condition? And Jesus responds that it's neither, that actually this man is blind so that the glory of God can be revealed. So that the glory of God could be revealed in his life. And that's really a very hard thing for us to hear. 
I don't think, this isn't actually the sermon, but I don't think it's God making this man blind, causing suffering so that he could reveal glory, but I do think it's God working through our sufferings to reveal glory, and that is certainly what happens to this man. He is healed. He's healed by Jesus to reveal God's glory. Jesus spits on the ground. He makes some mud and puts it on the man's eyes and says, go, go wash in this nearby pool. And he washes and he can see. This man can see. Now that's pretty amazing in its own right. But there's all sorts of healings in the Bible. There's healings even in the Old Testament before Jesus. Moses, the prophets, there's plenty of healings. There's healings throughout Acts. They're casting out demons. They're healing lame folks. They're healing all sorts of things. But nowhere in these pages of Scripture has anybody other than Jesus Christ Himself healed a blind man. Nowhere. And so that was a big deal. And the fact of the matter is that the Jewish expectation was that healing of blind healing of the blind is a sign of the Messiah. So for Jesus to heal the blind man, he's saying, "Hey, I'm the Messiah." And the Jews knew this and they were pretty worked up and so they brought Jesus to the resident expert on God, the Pharisees. They said, "Hey, this guy was blind, but now he can see." And so the Pharisees quiz him. And they say, "Are you the man that was blind?" And he says, yes, I was healed. Jesus put mud on my eyes and I washed and I was healed. And the Pharisees were surprised. And here was the problem. And we see it in verse 14. He was healed on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath. And so on the Sabbath, you really weren't supposed to do any work. And by the time of the Pharisees and Jesus, they had it pretty detailed what you could and could not do. You could only walk a certain number of steps. or It was considered working. You could only do so much in your field to make sure your animals had enough to eat, but nothing more. And you certainly, you certainly could not go around healing blind people on the Sabbath, because that was work. And so Jesus then is automatically pegged as a sinner. There's no way he could heal this blind man. He's a sinner. They ask the man, who do you say he is? And the man says, well, I think he's a prophet. And at this point, we have a full-blown inquisition. That was not a satisfactory answer. They called the man's parents. Was he really blind from birth? Parents say, well, yes, indeed he was. And the parents know what happened. Certainly this man has gone to see them immediately to share his good news. And so they ask him, who did it? How did it happen? And they said, well, why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him? Nothing about Jesus. No rejoicing. And the fact that their son had been healed, he wouldn't have to be a beggar anymore. He could see. No, just go ask him. And verse 22 is pretty telling. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. The parents feared the impact of what might happen if they confessed Jesus Christ. So not to be deterred, the Pharisees come back to the man and they bring him before him and they say, okay, really... We know this man is a sinner. Wink, wink. Who healed you? How did it happen? It couldn't have been this Jesus. And the man says, well, 
I was blind and now I can see. That is all I know. It turns out that's not all he knows. He's pretty perceptive and the Pharisees pushed back and he said, why are you asking me all these questions? I already answered. What, do you want to be his disciples too? Obviously not. And the Pharisees, again, they say, no, we're disciples of Moses. We couldn't possibly be disciples of Jesus. And the man said, that is amazing. This man has opened my eyes. Nobody has done that in the history of the world. And you don't know who he is? And the Pharisees immediately, immediately kicked him out of the synagogue. Kicked him out of the Jewish community. This man who was once blind, this man who was a beggar, who had this hope of a new life with sight, has been willingly ostracized from his community to confess Jesus Christ. And so Jesus comes and finds him. Do you believe? Jesus, I want to believe. Who? Who is he? Jesus responds, I am he. And the man falls down and he worships Jesus Christ. This man was blind. He received a physical healing, but he received a spiritual healing as well. He could now see the world, but even better, he could see the Messiah. And that is why Jesus came, not only to make the blind see, but also, he says, to make the see, those who can see blind. And so we have the Pharisees who can see really all too clearly this world. They can see their success and their power. And yet they are blind to Jesus Christ. Blind to Jesus Christ. And I think that is a trap that is easy to fall into. For us to be able to see Jesus clearly, we have to be blinded to this world. Maybe that should be our prayer, that Jesus would blind our eyes to this world. Blind our eyes to success, power, wealth, and status. All of these things are blessings from God. They're not necessarily bad. They're not necessarily evil. But when that's all we can see, we cannot see Jesus Christ. And so the impact of confessing Jesus Christ as Lord is the possibility that one day we might have to give these things up to follow Jesus. We might have to. At the very least, we have to be willing to do that if He asks us to. That is an impact that we're not always, I'm not always prepared for. And so, if we want to have our territory expanded, we need to prepare to follow Jesus. And this won't always be easy. Think about Jabez. He wanted his territory expanded, and he prayed. And the only thing we get about how that happened is that God granted his request. And that's great. But how did God grant his request? Well, I suspect that Jabez had to fight and claw for every inch of territory that God was blessing him with. People aren't just going to give up their territory. Satan is not just going to give up his territory in this culture. It will be a fight. It will be an impact. And it won't always be easy. One of the remarkable things about this book, and especially the Gospels, Whenever Jesus reveals who he is, such as in this story when he heals the blind man, whenever he reveals himself, he is almost always rejected. He is almost always rejected. He was rejected at his hometown in Nazareth. 
He was rejected when they put him on the cross. His disciples were rejected time and time again in the book of Acts. The church grew, people accepted Jesus, but just as many people rejected him. And that's incredibly consistent throughout this Bible. And so as we prepare for impact, we might consider the fact that there will be some, there will be many who don't like what we have to say. There might be a little of suffering involved, if you will. We see this even in Paul's letter to the Romans. Our reading this morning was just steeped in language of life and spirit. And it's beautiful and wonderful language, and it's really exciting. But if you keep reading, and you get to the conclusion of Paul's thought in this section of the letter, he says in verse 16, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Hey, that's pretty good. Continue. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's pretty good. Provided that we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Hmm. I didn't sign up for that. That we are fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him and that we might be glorified with Him. Glory comes through suffering sometimes. Suffering of this blind man. And so when we read in verse 6, To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. That is a life and peace that's going to come in the midst of suffering sometimes. A life and peace that's going to come not fully until we are glorified with God in Jesus Christ. So if we live by the flesh, we are certainly blind to Jesus. But if we live by the Spirit, though we may suffer, we can see Jesus clearly. Why is that? Well, the fact of the matter is that Jesus is offensive. His message is offensive. He preached a message of humility, a message of dying to self, a message of crucifixion. We live in a world that says God helps those who help themselves. And Jesus Christ wouldn't even help Himself off the cross. That is offensive. And it's not a message that the world likes to hear. And so when we proclaim that, when we proclaim that there's nothing we can do to get into heaven, that we could be the best person in the world, but if we don't believe in Jesus Christ, we fall short of the glory of God. That is offensive to this culture. And so... We are joined with Christ in faith, knowing that we're preaching an offensive gospel and knowing that we might face an impact that we don't really care for, that's not particularly comfortable. But we have this vision, this Alpha Holy Spirit weekend vision of an impact that is far glorious, that is worth all the suffering, worth all the brutal impacts we may encounter. And so we have a decision to make. How are we going to respond to Jesus Christ? One option would be to respond like the man's parents. I find this option pretty tempting. It's pretty tempting. Well, he was blind and now he can see. I've been healed. I've been restored. Jesus has given me new life. Go ask so-and-so and they'll tell you all about it. That is tempting. That is easy. 
That's one option. Another option, we certainly we have the Pharisees. That's a pretty extreme option. We can choose to remain blinded to Jesus Christ. We can choose to reject Him. We can choose to, to go along with the trappings of this world. You know, I think I've got it okay. I'll just stick with where I am and what I'm doing. That is certainly an option for us. Or we can follow the blind man. The man who gave up everything that he'd just been given to follow Jesus Christ. The man who fell on his knees and worshipped Him. We can follow the three people who were baptized this weekend. Who gave up their lives to follow Jesus Christ. Are we willing to do this? Are we willing to give up everything if we are asked? Are we willing, and I think men, this is especially true for us, are we willing to be that guy at work? Or that guy in the hunting club? Or that guy in the boat club who's a little different, who's Christian, who goes to church. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to step out of our comfort zone? Are we willing to leave this beautiful campus, this beautiful downtown Somerville, and share the gospel with people who may not dress like us or look like us or fit neatly into our categories? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to, like Jabez, I believe, to fight and claw for the gospel territory that God wants to give us? And are we willing to embrace a vision of the Alpha Holy Spirit weekend that God wants for this church, that He wants us to fight through, that He wants us to suffer for, so that we can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? And the Lord will bless us indeed. With boldness and courage and faithfulness, He will bless us in unexpected and surprising ways. And at the end of the day, we will rejoice with the Apostle Paul. And we will consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth the glory that is to be revealed in Jesus Christ. Amen.